we started a new series on the book of Ephesians. And last week, we really talked about the identity that we have in Jesus. We talked about the fact that we shouldn't see ourselves the way that we see ourselves when we look in the mirror. And we shouldn't see others that way either, but we should see them the way that Jesus sees them. And that is as a adopted son or daughter of God, as someone who is redeemed, as someone who is forgiven, we should find our identity in Christ, not in this world. So that's what we talked about last week. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul goes from this kind of uh, exhortation, right, of, hey, this is the new identity, this is the new life that you have in Christ, to a very powerful prayer for the church, and I love so much about this prayer. I'm going to try and keep this concise this morning, but there are so many good things that we can learn from this prayer. Not only about some of the things that he says and the things that he prays for, but about the ultimate goal, which is the power that comes from this prayer. So here's our big question for this morning. Where do we find the power to overcome worry weariness, and weakness. So the three big W's. Now I chose those three things because I think that that's something we can all relate to. I think all three of those are something that we may very well be experiencing either right now, or we certainly have experienced these things at one point or another. And of course, this pandemic that we're either still in or just got past, depending on who you ask, has brought out these feelings on an even larger scale. Because I know we all worry from time to time. Now, whether that's worrying about ourselves or our jobs or our kids or whatever the case may be, we tend to worry about things. And of course, we know the scripture says, oh, just pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. But we also know that's easier said than done sometimes. Now, we also, we also suffer from weariness. We get tired. We get kind of burnt out and worn out and worn down by all of the responsibilities that we have in our lives. Now, whether that be, again, work or family or trying to balance your work life and your family life, whatever that may look like, we get tired, right? We get worn out. We live in Southern California. Most of the time, both husband and wife work and we have kids that are in school and, and we just feel like we're running, 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 running non Stop, and every time we think we get a chance to take a breath, something else pops up. So we're tired, and we're weary, and that can cause us to also be weak. Now, we know that when we are in a state of worry, when we're in a state of weariness, when we're in a state of weakness, that is exactly where the enemy wants you to be. Because when you're tired and you're worn out, we tend to forget about all the blessings that we have and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at where do we find our power or our energy from. And by the end of this lesson today, I'm going to, I'm going to provide you with three different places where you can plug in to this amazing power. So here's my question for you this morning is where do we find our power? Where do we find our power? Where do we find our energy where do we find what it takes to get us through the day and to get us through the week and to get us through this life? Now, the first picture may be a little bit confusing, but for those of you who work in the corporate world, the red tie is the power tie, right? So you may be familiar with the power tie. 
The next one is the Power Aid, you know, the energy drink or the, the hydration drink, Power Aid. The next one is, is weightlifting, of course. You know, some of us like to weightlift, so we find our power from, from weightlifting. The next one is a little confusing, but that's a power nap. This girl's taking a power nap at her desk. Maybe some of you have been there, done that. Uh, some of you have mastered this art of you just kind of lay your head down for 20 minutes and then you, you get this burst of energy. I've never figured that one out because when I go down, I, I want to stay down. So I tend to avoid the power nap just for that reason. But some people find their power in the power nap. And then, of course, we've got the power bar. And then we've got the sugar-free Red Bull. <laughs> and for those of you who know me, that is my weakness, is the sugar-free Red Bull to get me through school and kids and work and everything else that I have going on right now. But I want you to, in all seriousness, to think about this just for a minute. And where do you go to for the power that you need to make you successful? Where do you go for the power that you need to get you through the day? To help you be the best father, mother, husband, wife, Christian that you need to be. Maybe this is a picture that some of you can relate to. We're always looking for the right switch. We're looking for that quick fix. We're looking for that simple answer. When we want to lose weight, what's the first thing we do? What pill can I take to make me lose weight? We're looking for the switch. And, and, and when I see this picture, I, I can't help but think of times where you blow a circuit breaker. And this doesn't happen as often now as it seems like it did when I was younger. But you, you blow a circuit breaker. Now, some of you who live in houses, you have these very nice circuit panels where every switch is labeled. Right? One says living room, and one says air conditioning, and one says refrigerator. Well, I have had the pleasure of living places that are not labeled. And maybe some of you can relate to this. So when we blow a circuit, I have to go to the circuit breaker and I open it up and then I have to holler to my wife and go, was that it? And she, no, was that it? No, was that it? No, but now you just reset the microwave. It'll take us a year to figure that one out. So what do we do? We sit here and we flip switches, right? Until we get the right switch. Flip, 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 flip. Still don't have the right one. And then by some dumb luck, and it's always the last one that you pick, right? You get the right one and the power comes back on. And you have that energy that you need to run your appliances or to run your air conditioner or to run your refrigerator or whatever it may be. But see, we go through our lives flipping switches. Oh, I'll try energy drinks. Okay, that didn't work. Uh, I'll try power naps. Well, that didn't work. We're flipping switches. But see, if we just go to the Bible, the Bible provides us with the power sources that we need to be better husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and grandmothers and grandfathers and Christians. And most importantly, followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about. So I want you to be thinking about that as we read through our passage today from the, the second half of Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to think about the three power sources. And I want you to see for yourself if you can figure out and you can identify those three power sources. And then I'll give you the answers at the end. So if you would, open up your Bibles, your Bible app, your laptop, however you like to read scriptures. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 15. And as I mentioned, we're going, to, we're going to unpack some of these powerful aspects of Paul's 
prayer and Paul's prayer life as we look for these three power sources that you and I can plug into, that you and I have at our disposal. So starting in verse 15, it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. So he's reminding them, look, I've heard about the great work that you guys are doing. I've heard about your faith and how it's growing. Because remember, this is one of the early churches. So Paul, Paul has gotten a report back that, hey, they're doing some good things over there. So he's going to identify those good things and then encourage them to keep going. And I love what the very end of it says. It says, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. He's talking about the church. He's talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ. See, he's talking about he's commending them because they loved everyone. And that's going to be a central theme that we're going to see as we move forward. So let's look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, I, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, I love this about Paul, and some of you are probably pretty familiar with Paul, and you've read most of Paul's letters, because there's a lot of them, right? He wrote about half of the New Testament. Paul was a powerful person. Now, if you really dig into Paul a little bit further, you'll see that from a physical standpoint, Paul was not a powerful person. It sounds as though Paul actually suffered from, from some things that probably prevented him from being a very powerful person at this point in his life. But he was a very powerful person when it comes to prayer. And I love that even though we've only read two verses, there's a couple things that we can point out. That he was constantly in prayer. He was consistently in prayer for these churches and the people that he loved. And if you read Paul's letters, you see that that is a common theme for Paul, is that he prayed and he prayed for other people. And that should be reminiscent for you of Jesus during his ministry. Because we often read about Jesus during his ministry that he went off to pray. And Paul also sets that example for us. And he's always thankful. Now remember, where is Paul when he's writing this letter? He's in prison. But he's not saying, oh, woe is me. My life is so hard. I'm in prison and things are tough. And, and I sleep on this cold, hard floor. And I never know where my next meal is coming from. And I don't have fresh water to drink. No, he doesn't do that. He talks about how thankful he is for this church that he loves and for the blessings that God has given. Remember, we talked last week about those spiritual blessings. And I love the fact that he always says he remembered them. Because that's important. Isn't it important to be remembered? Doesn't it feel good when somebody remembers something about you? Somebody remembers your birthday or your anniversary. Somebody remembers something important that happened in your life. It feels good to be remembered. And Paul is reminding them that, hey, I haven't forgotten about you. Even though I can't be there with you, I still love you. I still remember you. And I'm still praying for you. Verse 17 says, I keep asking, there's that continual praying. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, he's again giving glory to God despite his circumstances, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. See, I love this 
Because he just got through saying, hey, I've heard about your faith. You guys are doing a great job, but now I want you to do better. I want you to do more. I want you to continue to grow your faith. See, Paul didn't just say, listen, church, you're doing a great job. Just keep doing what you're doing. No, he said, great job. And now let's do even more. Is that the attitude that we have as a church? Or do we say, hey, we've got this beautiful facility and, and things are going good. So let's just keep going. Or do we say, that's great. I'm proud of where we've come from, but let's keep going. And that's exactly what Paul is encouraging them to do. He's encouraging them to grow in the spirit, to learn how to channel the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who have been Christians for a long time, you know how that kind of works, right? When you first get baptized and you first start your walk with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is almost a foreign concept to you. And you're like, I just don't know if I really feel it. I don't really understand how it works. And as you grow and as you mature, you learn to to channel the Holy Spirit. You learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. You learn to let the Holy Spirit guide you along your path. He wants him to grow in wisdom and to continue to be on the lookout for the way that God reveals himself to them. How do you grow in wisdom? You read. Where do you get the wisdom of God? From the scriptures. That's what he's reminding them. Continue to be in the word. Now, granted, at this time, a lot of the population wasn't able to read. But what he's talking about is continue to learn from those who do. Continue to soak up the word. To learn everything you can from the scriptures. See, they had an excuse. A lot of them couldn't read. We don't. Right? We, we, we say, oh, I don't have time for the Bible. Because so many ways that we can get the Bible. We can read the Bible. We can even listen to the Bible. We have it on our phones, this little device that we all carry in our pocket, and every single one of you has one, has the Bible right there at your fingertips. So there's really no, oh, I don't have time for that. You could put it on on your commute in the morning. Listen to a chapter on your way to work. Listen to a chapter on your way home from work. It's powerful. And what a great way to start your work day and end your work day. Anyway, sorry, I'm on a tangent here. But that's what he's talking about is we've got to continue to grow in wisdom and know him better. I love that part. Know him better. May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and the peace as you trust in him. So that action word, right? Anytime we hear that, so that it's an action word. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that he's going to give us this hope and this joy and this peace if we trust him. If we trust him. See, we've got to put our trust in God and stop putting our trust in ourselves and the things of this world. Put it in God. Paul is very clear about this. Put your trust in God. Because when you do, what? You get joy and you get peace. And isn't that exactly what we're looking for? Joy, peace, and hope. Well, where do we find it? We trust in God. It tells us right here. And how do we know that? Because we read the scripture. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to overflow with hope. Just like what Paul's talking about. 
Verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. It says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength. And we're going to pick that up in just a second. But, but I want to stop on verse 19. In comparable power. Now, what, what do you think of when you think of power? Now, maybe you think of good old-fashioned electricity, or maybe you think of hydropower, right, where we use water to generate power. Or, or maybe if you've, if you've been down towards Indio, Palm Springs area, right, you've seen the big wind turbines. Maybe you think of wind power, or these days, maybe you think of nuclear power. But think of that most powerful source you can think of and then multiply it times infinity, and you've got the power of God. See, it says, incomparably great power. And you have access to that. And it doesn't cost you a thing. It doesn't cost you a thing. You just got to know which, which, flip, which switch to flip. Three key aspects of those, of those two verses is that idea of hope. Again, he gives us hope when we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. We can know the riches, those riches that we get. Last week, we talked a lot about those things that we get, right? We, we talked about how we're forgiven and we're redeemed and we're saved. See, we have, a, we have an overflow of riches and they may not be the riches that we think of here on earth. It may not, it may not manifest itself in the way of cars and houses and fancy vacations, but we have riches that are far more valuable. And then we can know the greatness of his power. See, he talks about opening the eyes of your heart. And that, that sounds a little bit weird on the surface, this idea of opening the eyes of your heart. But think about it. Without your heart, what happens? Your body can't survive without your heart. And he's saying, we've got to open up at the core of our being and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We've got to be open to the teachings of God. We've got to be open to the teachings of Jesus Christ and allow that to work in our lives. And when we do that, that's how we tap into this amazing power. So as we finish verse 19, it says that the, the power is the same as the mighty strength. And then in verse 20, it says, he exerted when he raised Christ. Of course, he is God. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. In case you needed to be reminded about the power of God. Of course, you need no further than to look out the window at creation. But if you needed to be reminded, God raised Christ from the dead. God not only raised Christ from the dead, but he seated him at his right hand. See, the death, burial, and the resurrection is the focus of our faith. And it's the focus of our faith because of what God did for us. And because God proved it to us by sending his son to the earth to die for your sins so that you would have a chance to spend eternity in heaven. And that's exactly what he's talking about. The power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at God's right hand. That's where that term right hand man or right hand woman comes from. Right? It's that place of authority. It's that place of power. 
when you see official settings, it's always, you know, the most powerful person. And then on the right is the number two, right? And then the number three or, or whoever is usually on the left. He raised Christ from the dead. That's that incomparable power. And if he can do that, what can he do in your life? If he can raise Christ from the dead, then guess what? He can take the worry away. He can take the weariness away. And he can help you get through the trials and the tribulations of this life. He breathed the world into existence. He raised Christ from the dead. He can fix your problems. So as far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, Christ is sitting at the right hand. Christ is in charge. He's given him all the rule and the power and the dominion over not only the things of this earth and the things of heaven, and not only today, but for eternity. Now that's power. That is power. Verse 22 says, And God placed all things, all things, under his feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. God gave Jesus all of the power. And we have to remember that. Because you can tap into that power when you need to, just like when you turn on a light switch. But he's reminding us that Christ is the head of the church. It's not me. It's not our elders. Sorry, guys. It's Christ. Christ is the head of the church. That's by God's design. It's by God's design that Christ would lead the church. <coughs> Excuse me. And if we lose sight of that, then we've lost sight of the mission. And we've lost sight of the purpose. Because the purpose isn't just to come here on Sunday mornings and sit down in the pew and sing a couple of songs and say a couple of prayers and take communion and go home. Yes, those are important. I'm not saying don't come to church. But that's not what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. It's all about building a relationship with Jesus. It's all about trying to be pleasing to Jesus. Not us. Jesus is the head of the church. And God placed him there for a reason. Because God is infinite in his wisdom. And he knew that that was the thing to do. So we don't need to question it. All we need to do is look to the scripture. It's right there. He gave us the model. He's explaining it to us. Paul's explaining it to us again. So we're talking about the church. It says, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. See, we're the body. We're the hands and feet. We're the workers. We're the doers. But Christ is the head. He's calling the shots, not us. We're just down in the trenches doing the work. Christ is the head. Without the head, where are we? You can't function without your head. And yes, that sounds a little strange. But, but I want you to have that visual. You can't function without your head. The church can't function without Christ. 
And that's what we have to remember, is the power of Christ is what allows us to do what we do. Christ being the head and directing us through the Holy Spirit is what allows our church to do the things that we do. It's what allows us to be the hands and feet in our community. It's what allows us to spread the gospel. It's what allows us to reach out to others, to show them Jesus Christ. But Christ is the head. It's not about us. It's about Christ. It's God's purpose that the church should be the full expression of Jesus Christ, who fills everything there is. See, Christ fills us with the Holy Spirit. Christ fills this place with his presence. Christ fills everything. And when we learn to tap into that through the Holy Spirit, then we can be filled. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and when we're filled with the hope that we have in Christ, then that helps to take away the worriness and the weariness and the weakness. We have power sources. All right, pop quiz. What are the three power sources? Just kidding. The Holy Spirit. See, we got to flip that switch. We got to tune into the Holy Spirit. See, we got to be baptized, right? So we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then we've got to take full advantage of that. See, God didn't give us the gift of the Holy Spirit for us to not use it. It's not what it's there for. You know, sometimes you get something really special, like maybe somebody gives you a, an engraved watch or a, a really fancy pen, and, and you say, well, I don't want to use it, right? Because I don't want anything to happen to it. I want to keep it perfect. The Holy Spirit is for us to use. It's for us to tap into. It's for us to use as our guiding light in the world. It is Christ in us. And he didn't give us that to put on a shelf or to put in a box next to the bed to make sure that nothing happens to it. He gave it to us to use, and we've got to plug into that. We've got to plug into Christ. We have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ because that is what being a Christian is. Again, it's not just about coming here on Sundays. It's not just about a Bible study on Wednesdays. Yes, those are important. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then it's all for naught. And how do you have a relationship? You communicate and you work at it. For my married folks, you know that relationships take work. And if you're not married, your relationship with your siblings, your relationships with mom and dad, they take work. And you have to invest in that. Christ was willing to die for you. What are you willing to do for him? What are you willing to do for Jesus? We say, I don't have time to, to spend time in the Bible. And I don't have time to pray like I should. Because I'm just too busy. Well, Christ wasn't too busy to go to the cross. you got to study the word. Because that's how you know him, right? How do you get to know folks? When you, when you start to build a relationship with someone, how do you get to know them? You ask them questions and you find out information about them. Well, how do we find out about Jesus? It's all right there in black and white. And sometimes red. That's how we find out who Jesus is. That's how we find out more about him. And then we communicate. 
we can pray to Jesus Christ. And he wants that. He wants to hear from us daily. And not just when we need something. That's what I love about Paul's prayer that we just read. He wasn't saying, God, I need this. God, I need out of the situation that I'm in. God, I need you to fix this. No, he said, thank you for everything that you're doing. See, Paul didn't just go to God when he needed something. He went to God because he loved him and because he had a relationship with him. And see, that's how we build a relationship with Jesus, is we read and we study so that we know who he is and we talk to him. And we allow him to work in our lives and we listen to what he is saying. And we listen to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our lives. That's an amazing power source that we can plug into. And the last one is the church. We've got to plug in to the church. I mentioned something to you earlier when we were talking about sources of power. And I tried to use ones that we're, we're kind of familiar with. But if you've ever driven out towards Palm Springs, you see the big wind farms, right? The big giant wind turbine things. Is there just one? No. Why is there not just one? Because one would generate some power, right? But two generates more. And 50 generates even more. And 100 can generate a whole lot of power. Now, I'm not going to speculate. I have no idea how many of those things are out there. But I want you to think about that from the context of our church. You may be a powerful person who can do great things. But think about what you can do when you've got 99 other people helping you out. Or in our case, you've got 185 or whatever our number is these days. Other people working together can help you out. That, see, that's why we do life together. And we just finished a whole series, right, about doing life together. We did this whole Better Together series, right? God never designed us to be alone. What did God do right after he made Adam? He said it's not good for him to be alone. He designed a partner. It's the same way in the church. The early church did everything together. They lived together. They ate together. They even pooled their possessions together. See, that was the early model of the church. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out and quit your job. And I'm not suggesting that we eat every meal together or that we live together. But what I am suggesting is that we're better together. And see, you can plug into the power of this church, but you've got to plug into the church. When you have your refrigerator, you get a brand new refrigerator, right? And they wheel it in and you put it in its spot. Is it cold? No, because what? You got to plug it in. If you just set the refrigerator there and you put your milk and your eggs and your cheese and your butter in there, but you never plug it in, is it going to do anything for you? At that point, it's just a box. You might as well just put a cardboard box there. It's the same thing with what we're talking about today. If we don't plug in, we don't get the power. You can take advantage of the power of this church, but you've got to plug in. You've got to get involved. You've got to make relationships with people. You've got to serve the church. That's how you plug in. We have so many opportunities for you to do that. So many different ways that you can plug into this church, that you can get involved in the ministries of this church, which not only allows you to get involved with the church, but with each other. And see, that's where the power is. 
The power is when we all come together to accomplish a goal. That's the power that we're talking about. So instead of flipping switches, instead of searching high and low, trying to find the power to get you through your daily lives, plug into the power of Jesus Christ. Plug into the Holy Spirit and plug into this church. And we can do amazing things together. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to stop and just take some time to look at this powerful prayer that Paul gives us. Heavenly Father, help us to pray like that. Help us to pray without ceasing. Help us to pray for one another, just like Paul did. Help us to pray for this church and the leaders of it. And Heavenly Father, help us most of all just to remember the power, that incomparable power that exists through you, through your Son, and through the Holy Spirit. So we get ready to part this place in a few minutes today, Heavenly Father. Just help us to remember those things and help us to remember that you are the one true power source. It's in your precious son's name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, Brandon's going to come up and lead us in another song. And maybe you've never had the opportunity to plug in to Jesus Christ and to plug in to the Holy Spirit. We have an opportunity for you this morning to come forward. We can baptize you for the forgiveness of your sins, and to receive this amazing power source that is the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've lost that plug. Come forward this morning. The elders and myself will be here to help you, and we'd love to get you plugged back in. We want to invite you to come forward as we stand together and as we sing. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. So I could walk right through it My fears are drowned in perfect love
rescued me and I will stand and sing. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me and I will stand and sing.